This reading is from John chapter 8, verses 48 to 58. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets, yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet fifty years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Why don't we pray again before we look at God's words. Father, we just pray, God, that what is said tonight, God, that the feeble words, God, that we speak, God, might be used for your eternal glory and your eternal purposes. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Uh, and then we're going to have a, a little game first this evening. I've got some slides uh, that Toffer is going to kindly put up. Um, sorry, Toffer, I think I put them in the wrong place. Um, and the game we're going to play is uh, do your best and tell me uh, when you think this product was made. Correct, 2007, the first iPhone. Uh, next slide, Toffer. When was this product made? Or when did it first and last set sail? 1912, correct. The Titanic, yep. Uh, next one, thanks, Toffer. Anybody, any ideas with when was the Colosseum completed? Come on, somebody guess. Twenty BC, not far off. Eighty AD, not 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 too far off. Nathan, well done. And this one, the original Mini. I don't know when the original Mini launched. It's close row, 59, 1959. And the last one, Toffer. When did people start meeting here uh, in church service? Anybody know? Yep, 12th century, yeah. Uh, well, that's what the, the little Shelford hist- history page tells me uh, anyway, that people have been really here for a really long time, which I find really uh, exciting. Uh, you can turn those off, not off, or thank you. Uh, I wonder if I put a picture of Jesus up there. Uh, I haven't for uh, idolatrous reasons. Uh, but when would you say Jesus was made? When uh, would you say that he was born, he was uh, created? Uh, and that's the question we're going to be thinking about this evening. When did Jesus come into existence. And 
Uh, just coming off the back of Christmas, we've been thinking a lot about Jesus, which is a, a good thing. Uh, we've been thinking about Jesus being born as a baby uh, in Bethlehem. We've had lots of readings about it in church. Uh, maybe you've been doing a little devotional to get ready for uh, Advent season uh, and Christmas. Uh, maybe you watched the stellar nativity play that some of our kids uh, were involved in. Um, but the first coming of Jesus into this world is not the first chapter of the life of Jesus. Uh, it's a little bit like picking up a, a book halfway through a series. Uh, I really like Harry Potter. I would say I'm quite a big fan of Harry Potter, uh, but I did not read the Harry Potter books in the right order. Uh, I read book number six before I read book number five, and I was very, very confused as to who these people were and what was going on uh, and all that uh, kind of stuff. And it's a little bit like that whenever we pick up a, a New Testament and we read it, we read Matthew and Luke, we read about the coming of Jesus into the world. We're kind of coming in halfway through the series. And if we want to get the full picture of who Jesus is, we need to go to the Old Testament, to the very beginning of the book. And then we see that the story is clear. And actually, that's the thing that John, who writes these words, who recorded this event for us, wants us to know. Uh, that John wants us to see the life of Jesus, not as the, the beginning of the life of Jesus, not as the baby uh, in the manger, but as the God of eternity. John doesn't give us a scene of, of shepherds uh, or of wise men gathered around a manger, but he pulls back the curtain of eternity and reveals us uh, the word from the beginning of time. And all throughout his gospel, he wants us to time after time again, he wants his readers to be in no doubt that the person you're reading about Jesus isn't just an ordinary man, isn't just a really special person, but this guy, Jesus, really is God. Uh, and we read that uh, on the lips and see that on the lips of Jesus himself uh, in the passage that Bethany read to us. Uh, the origins of Jesus is not in a manger 2,000 years ago, but a time so long ago that no number could express it and a place so far out of our existence that we couldn't fully comprehend it. Again, the New Testament is in the first series of books about Jesus. We need to go to the Old Testament if we want to know him. Let's dive into our, our one verse. We're only looking at one verse tonight. Before Abraham was, I am. Uh, the context of that uh, sentence is a little discussion over who Jesus uh, is. You see the Pharisees have a very low opinion of Jesus, don't they? He's a Samaritan, he's unclean, he's outside of God's chosen people, he's pretty much worthless, he deserves to be thrown to the dogs, and not only is he the lowest of the lowest Samaritan, but he's also a demon-possessed Samaritan at that as well. Their estimation of who Jesus is, uh, is pretty low. Uh, it's, it just kind of struck me whenever Bethany was, was reading that, if only they knew who was standing in front of them. If only they knew the person they called uh, less than a dog was actually the Lord uh, and creator of time and space and history uh, itself. Uh, but this little conversation about who Jesus is is one that leads to a discussion uh, about Abraham uh, and one that leads Jesus to that little statement about himself. Before Abraham was, I am. Uh, hopefully it won't surprise you to learn that I think the Bible's a pretty exciting book I think every single sentence and verse and line of the Bible is useful for us to know. Um, but I think this little sentence is a little bit of a standout one, isn't it? For such a short little statement, for something that's only a few words long, five words long, there is so much packed into it. 
so much history, so much truth. It really packs a punch, this little short statement, because here we see Jesus revealing himself, revealing himself to the crowd before him, revealing himself to us today as we read these words. Jesus pulls back the curtains and gives a little glimpse at his eternal reality, who he is. He's not just a son of a carpenter from Nazareth. He's not just a moral teacher. He's not just a miracle worker. He refutes those claims. He's not a Samaritan who has a demon living inside him, not a maniac, but he says loud and clear that he is the eternal God. In that little verse, Jesus references two things from the Old Testament. The first one is Abraham. Uh, Now, Abraham is one of the the biggest and most well-known and most important characters uh, in the Bible. It's through Abraham that God builds the nation of Israel. He's the starting point that everybody in the nation of Israel will be descended from Abraham. He gives Abraham wonderful promises that you uh, might remember that Abraham would have more family members and there are stars in the sky or grains of sand on the beach. He gives Abraham a promise of land, of life, of legacy, that he will have many, many, many descendants. And in the people listening to Jesus, as Jesus stands and speaks to them, to these Pharisees, there's nothing more important to them than knowing Abraham. There's nothing more important to them than knowing that Abraham really is uh, their their great, 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 great grandfather, whatever uh, that connection might be. Uh, To know that they are... Direct descendants of Abraham is of utmost importance to them because that's what what makes them safe and secure. It's being and belonging to the family of Abraham that means that they are on the right side of history. That means that they are in God's favor. But Jesus wants them to know that there's one person standing before them that even outranks Abraham himself. Somebody who lived long before Abraham ever did Never mind long before Abraham was ever called to go and follow God. Jesus is the one standing before them. He knows everything there is to know about Abraham. Who has seen Abraham, who has spoken to Abraham, who has been there when Abraham packed up everything to follow God. Before Abraham ever lived, Jesus says that he was. And here Jesus claims to be a prophet who is more righteous a prophet who is more knowledgeable than Abraham. That's enough to raise the blood pressure of this little group. They're probably grinding their teeth. They're probably snarling at Jesus at this point, but he's only halfway through his sentence. Uh, By the time we get to the end of it, they'll be ready to do something else. Jesus has more to say. Before Abraham, Jesus says, I am. Now, you might think, well, that doesn't really grammatically make sense because it should be before Jesus I I was, shouldn't it? But here we find the second Old Testament reference that Jesus wants to share with us, the name of God himself. Think back to the book of Exodus whenever Moses comes across that burning bush um, and God speaks to him. God reveals his name to Abraham as I am. So what Jesus is saying here isn't just a grammatically incorrect statement, but Jesus here is claiming to be God himself. Suddenly, Jesus isn't just saying, I'm more important than Abraham. Jesus is saying, I'm the most important person there ever is to meet. I am God himself. 
And it's clear just the kind of reaction that Jesus gets from this, isn't it? Just how explosive these words that Jesus says are because the religious Pharisees are really wound up now. They go and they grab some stones and they go to kill him. They want to stone him for blaspheming, for claiming to be God when he's not. But Jesus isn't lying. He's not telling fibs. He is speaking 100% the truth. When Jesus says that he is God in their midst, he really is God in their midst. And that truth and that sentence that Abraham says is no less divisive today than it was back then. No less thought-provoking back then as it should be for us today. Uh, I don't know if you uh, like to read about any ancient Christian heresies. Uh, I know I certainly like to do it. Um, But almost nearly all ancient Christian heresies revolve around the person of Jesus. Who is Jesus? What is he like? Is he God? No. Is he man? Maybe. Maybe it's a weird mixture of the two. Maybe it's none of the other. All those heresies that we read about in the early church normally come about when people start to ask the questions over who Jesus is. And actually, knowing who Jesus is is the most important question that you can know the answer to. You might think there's more interesting things to be explored in, in space or under the sea or whatever, but actually for you this evening, the most, question that you, the most important question that you can answer is, who is Jesus? And I don't mean it in a kind of cuddly, like, who is Jesus to me? But objectively, who is this man who claims to be God? Is he telling the truth or is he not telling the truth? Because if we get Jesus wrong, then we get Christianity wrong completely. Because whenever we become Christians, we don't just follow the same religion that Jesus followed. We follow Jesus himself. And if we're going to give up everything we have to follow a person, we're going to need to make sure we know exactly who he is. Uh, Over the Christmas break, I I watched a lot of movies. Uh, One of the uh, interesting movies I watched was uh, one called a most reluctant convert, which is pretty, pretty new, just out. Uh, and it's the story of C.S. Lewis and how C.S. Lewis moved from being an atheist uh, to being a uh, Christian. It's, it's a really good movie. I'd encourage you uh, to watch it. You can find it uh, online. It goes really deep into the kind of reasoning and the arguments behind why C.S. Lewis decided he wanted to become a Christian and what the kind of mental process was uh, for him. Uh, But one of the most compelling parts of the movie, and one of the most compelling parts for C.S. Lewis, is an argument his friend gives to him, that Jesus doesn't offer a pick-and-mix religion. That you can't pick the bit of Christianity you like, and you ignore the rest. Either you accept all of what Jesus says, or you reject it. You can't dismiss him as an important historical figure, or as a good moral teacher. Either he's all, or he's nothing. Either he's the Lord of the universe, God himself, who holds this word together. The God who made Abraham, who talked to Abraham. The God who spoke to Moses from that bush that was burning. The God who sent instructions to Moses to rescue his people from oppression. Either Jesus is all those things, or he's nothing. Either he's infinitely important, or he's of no importance of all. The option to pick which aspects of Jesus we like, what parts of Jesus we want to hear, is not an option for us. 
Jesus says, either you take me as God and Lord of everything, or you don't take me at all. That's the, the kind of black and white we see. That, uh, we, we even see that in our, in our passage, don't we? The Pharisees' black and white decision rejecting Jesus. The Jews, uh, again in John chapter 8, from their reaction, reject Jesus. But for us, Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the foundation of our faith. That person of Jesus is both God and yet also fully man. It is of extreme importance that we know here this evening that whenever God planned to save the world, he didn't send an angel. He didn't send another created being. He didn't send a kind of superman to save humanity. But he came himself. It's important and vital for us to remember that when we read the Old Testament, we don't read about the solo adventures of God the Father, who works and moves through people like Abraham and Moses. And then when we get to the New Testament, God the Father gets a sidekick called Jesus, who joins in. But that all of the Bible, every story we read, is God working in Trinity together, loving, acting, and redeeming mankind. Now, being the second day of the new year, I feel that I have to have a reference to New Year's and New Year's resolution. I'm not sure if anybody's made some. I'll be interested to hear if anybody's made any interesting New Year's resolutions. Uh, I wonder, has anybody broken New Year's resolution yet? Uh, But whatever your resolutions are, let me just challenge you this evening to make knowing Jesus, who he is, what he is like, your most important New Year's resolution. That through the year of 2022, that our main effort as God's people, as a church and as individuals, that that we might know God more, we might know who Jesus is more this year than we did last. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we praise you and we thank you. We thank you that before Abraham you were. We thank you that you are the eternal God who knows everything, who has seen everything, who has existed before everything. We thank you, Lord, that everything was made through you and by you and for you. And we just pray, God, that um, as your word settles in our hearts this evening, as those truths come to rest, we pray, God, that they would grow. We pray, Lord, that we might be encouraged, that as we step into this new year, God may be bringing disappointments and stresses of the last that we would do it knowing that we don't follow a a man, we don't even follow a good man, but we follow God himself who knows and who shapes all things. We just pray for ourselves this evening, God, that wherever we are with you, whatever side of the fence we might find ourselves on, whether we think Jesus is God or whether we don't, we pray, God, that each of us would think hard that each of us would be compelled to not only make our minds up over your son, but that we would see your son as God and as king and as Lord of our lives. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.